Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast, where we talk about movies off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay. With me, as always, is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm doing well, and that was a very well done introduction. Oh, thanks. Nice it's job. only been a year or so that I've... Well, actually, at this point, it's probably been almost two years. Because uh, we are... Today, we are doing kind of an extra episode like we did last year with the platform. This will be uh, the wide release of our coverage of The Fly from 1958, which was our uh, 2021 Halloween Patreon episode that we did with Wes. Yes. Uh, the Fly on our, is on our list. It is number 49 with a 95% Rotten Tomatoes score. Had you seen this version of The Fly before? No, I had not. This is my first time uh, getting to experience the uh, old school version. Yeah, I had definitely seen the Cronenberg one first. Uh, and I coming to this one afterwards, I didn't really expect much, honestly. Same, same. Like, the Cronenberg one is so... Um, outstandingly weird. Yeah. Like it's so fully realized in itself that I really was like, oh, this is just going to be some sort of like B-movie kind of mm-hmm. bullshit, which I love B-movie bullshit. But yeah, low expectations that I will say this movie exceeded. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Would, I would say the same. I, I definitely came away impressed, uh, not expecting it to be that good. But we get into yes. that a lot more when we talk about it with Wes. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break and play the trailer for you. After that motorcycle goes by. It was a fly. (laughs) Very loud fly. (laughs) The fly has finally taken form, human form fully. Return of the fly. Um, So we'll be right back. Will everyone in the theater hold on family to his seat, please? Vincent Price. What unearthly horror did that girl gaze upon? What manner of incredible thing walked beneath that hood? It would be unfair at this time to show you any more of what went on in that laboratory where a man actually dared to play God. So fantastic words can't begin to describe it. You must see it with your own eyes to believe it when the fly comes your way. Isn't like any other fly I've ever seen. No! 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 Please, me, look at the fly. I've killed Andre. Please help me. Call the police and... The charge can only be murder. There were no mistresses. I had no lovers. Why did you kill him? God, don't let it get out. Inspector. Inspector, it's in the garden. Come quickly. As God is my witness, I saw the thing. It's unbelievable. I shall never forget that scream as long as I live. The fly is on its way. Watch out for it. It's far beyond anything your mind could ever conceive. All right, The Fly from 1958, directed by Kurt 
Newman, written by James Clavel, based on or Clavel, based on the story by George Langelin, starring David Hedison, Patricia Owens, Vincent Price, Herbert Marshall, and the nun from the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Wes is going to cover the synopsis for us. So, yes. uh, uh, Amanda, what what are the things we might find in this movie? Uh, well, you're going to find many things in this movie, but some of the ones we want to highlight mm-hmm. are uh, characters who are believably French. Very, very authentically French characters with authentic French names. Yes, lots of French names. There's a there's a Gaston. Mm-hmm. There's Helene. Yep. There's Francois. There's all sorts of French names. Andre Delambre. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. They actually they actually say the last name more convincingly than I thought they would because it's yeah they do the believably French clay yeah, yeah, that's it's, what it's, this words, bullet point no says. <laughs> uh, you will also find to both your your and my own chagrin the most terrifying fake spider of all time outside of Punky Brewster. There's that one episode of Punky Brewster. Where, I know I've seen this with you, but I do not recall this. Where they go into a cave and they all end up like tripping out on weird Native American evil spirits. And oh. it ends with this the big confrontation is this gigantic like spider god thing. And for low budget children's television from the 80s, it is to this day. To this day, I guarantee you, <laughs> anyone who's old enough, if you if you say... The, the the spider episode from Punky Brewster, they're all going to go, oh, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, well, you will also find an uncomfortably positive ending. Yeah, as, I, as we say in the episode, I wish, I kind of wish that the 87 version had the ending this does, where it's just <laughs> after all the awfulness, they have a little nice... Cute little picnic kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, little, a little coda where they kind of talk about how great Brundlefly was, and he <laughs> just was too ambitious. Yes. Well, that leads us perfectly into uh, the once and forever thing you might find in most of these movies we cover, questionable parenting. Yes. Yes. All around. Yes. Especially because it leads into the sequel, Return of the Fly, where the son takes over for the father and also turns into a fly. You got to sing the song, Clay. I do that in the episode. Yeah, Wait, do I? No, I don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're going to uh, pass it off to our discussion with Wes about Return of the Fly, and then we will uh, say bye to you on the other end. Hey, patrons, happy Halloween, or at least it's going to be Halloween in a couple of days, depending on when this goes up. But welcome to the Halloween of 2021. Hope it's extra spooky for you. And now we're here with what you voted on in an overwhelmingly crushing performance where it beat two terrible looking movies the fly 1958 is the winner of the poll this month with like 85 percent of the vote so we're happy to be here i'm joined by clay and amanda how are you guys good what was what were the other two movies yeah what were the options uh there was that ripoff of the quiet place which i think is called si- the silence and then there's possessor oh. possessor oh. is the other I, one. I really want to see possessor i've heard it's pretty pretty cool yeah, when you Kyle, said rip off of a quiet place. I thought Bird Box. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, this one looks like an even worse or more is this, obvious. Is, is the is that the one with Stanley Tucci? Stanley in it? Tucci and the girl from Mad yeah. Men, the daughter from Mad yeah, Men. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, Kyle, listener Kyle liked Possessor too so much so that he was the only vote for it. So apparently you, you and he, <laughs> are the, the, just to embarrass him a little bit here. Wow, I was going to say you're really taste. calling Kyle out. Yeah, that's yeah. a real. It's always a really embarrassing showing. Um, <laughs> This is the 1958 Fly. You guys did Cronenberg's Fly already, I think, if my memory is right. Yes. So this one, 
1958 American horror science fiction film, which is why we're doing it on the Patreon this Halloween. It's the first installment in the Fly film series, produced and directed by Kurt Newman, starring David Hedison, Patricia Owens, Vincent Price, and Herbert Marshall. Screenplays by James Clavel, and based on a 1957 short story that was in Playboy. Huzzah! Unfortunately, was it really? yeah, I didn't none, know that. none of that. That's, not, that's when there was the uh, the joke about reading the articles. Actually, <laughs> yes. was not oh, a yes. joke yeah. at that time in the fifties. You buy, buy it for the stories. An yeah. interview with Lorne Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> the film tells Joan Didion writing about Sacramento in nineteen seventy two. Didion. The film tells the story of scientists who's transformed into a grotesque creature. This is what the words say. I'm just. I'm not passing judgment after a common housefly. <laughs> enters unseen into a molecular transporter with which he's experimenting, resulting in his atoms being combined with those of the insect which produces a human-fly hybrid. It was released in CinemaScope with color. It was followed by two black-and-white sequels, which are both very bad, apparently. Return of the Fly and then Curse of the Fly. Original. I would, uh, I would like to point out also that uh, we talked about CinemaScope on our most recent Rotten Horror Picture Show episode. We talked about The Innocents. Mm. Uh, everything I said about CinemaScope was incorrect, I believe. In that, so <laughs> We won't repeat uh, the mistake here. Yeah. CinemaScope, as I understand it, was just a super kind of widescreen filming process that involved like lenses that would squish squish the, the image and then it would stretch it out, which is how you would get the widescreen thing. And Gotcha. Uh, it sounds like it would have something to do with color or image quality or something instead of just film resolution, but I don't remember. We'll leave it alone. I clearly didn't. I Even though I know I was wrong, I didn't do my research. I actually thought to myself, I was like, you know, this is a, this is a good chance for me to actually accurately talk about what CinemaScope was, and then I fell asleep on the couch, mm-hmm. and so here we are. I'm sure so your public mistakes and now a uh, private mea culpa. Yeah, the that's how the internet works. Yes. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia image that will show you the varying sizes of film stocks that you can say, there's CinemaScope right there. That's what Clay was talking about. I can tell you there's a great special feature on the Blu-ray for The Innocents that explains it very well. Hmm. There's... Um, uh, I learned on Twitter that the, uh, the Last Jedi special feature, I don't know if this is common in a lot of movies, is a special feature you can watch it with only the score and the visuals. Did you know that? Oh, really? That's kind of cool. Fun. Yeah. Huh. You don't the, get to hear all honestly, the great jokes. <laughs> I was going to say, that would probably make that movie a little bit better for me if I just listened to the music. Still the third best Star Wars movie of all time. Yeah, the Fly right. on Rotten Tomatoes is 95% on the thermometer. With 41 reviews, it's 71% on the audience score with 10,000 plus reviews. So that's obviously the more accurate score. Critic consensus is deliciously funny to some, eerily prescient to others. The fly walks a fine line between schlocky fun and unnerving nature parable. Um, So here we are. You guys talked about the remake. I haven't seen Mm -hmm. the remake in a long time, but I like the remake. Do you want to give a quick primer about what you thought about the remake? Uh, I love the remake. It's one of my yeah. one of my favorites. Uh, it's it's Cronen, Cronen, David Cronenberg's never really been a studio guy, but the uh, the the fly is kind of the one big studio picture he made. And man, did he fucking crush it! He mm-hmm. he took it he took it as far into long live the new flesh as he, yeah. as he could with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always been a fan of that. Yeah, that one's it's it's really fun, and it's it makes this one look tame. Like the, I, I, I enjoyed this version, but the the remake is like off the fucking well, wall. Well, <laughs> the story is, I think we mentioned this on on the the eighties episode. Um, when they did sneak previews for Cronenberg's The Fly, 
all anybody knew about it was that it was a remake of The Fly and it was produced by Mel Brooks. And they handed out like bouncy fly <gasps> antennas for people to wear. Oh, that's right. So everybody thought they were going to see uh, a comedy Cookie, remake crazy. of a, you know, silly 50s horror movie. And then... And then uh, hold Jeff the shotgun Goldblum, to his head. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> melts a guy's arm off by puking on it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. kill Brundle fly. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess that's a good place as any to start. I don't think people care about my thoughts about the Cronenberg movie, but I wished, and I'm someone who doesn't really care about spoilers. I wished I had no idea what this movie was when I watched. Same, yeah. same. Um, yeah. I so to me this is a tremendously up and down movie. I think that the first act is almost perfect and it's probably better than anything in the Cronenberg movie. Honestly, mm-hmm. in terms of like sheer filmmaking up to the point where they start flashing back about what happened. I was watching that entire first act going, I wish I didn't know what was going on in mm-hmm. this movie because this mystery would be fantastic. Why did this guy get crushed by his wife in the press? Why did she do yeah. it twice? Yeah. Why don't we see his yeah. head? <laughs> why, why is no one Why is no one up in arms about this? I loved the first act of this movie. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was yeah. easily the best part of the movie by far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, Amanda, go ahead. Oh, just that there's almost something like Hitchcockian about the first act where there there is this sense of like all of these pieces have been put in place but you can't see the picture yet mm-hmm. and i love that like i think it's it they, i think it's really really well done and i totally agree west that like i really wished i hadn't known what was going on like all of the react even like you know the subtle fly buzzing in the background her, her obsession when they don't- with the fly yeah she's always yeah. tracking the fly yeah well what's what's really cool about it and you know i i um I I've seen this before. I a, f- a couple times. I've always really really liked this movie, and but the thing that that stood out to me this time was I don't I never appreciated how the first act is kind of like a different movie to a certain extent. It is much more of a mystery, mm. and you don't really you don't get any of the sci fi stuff until almost an hour into the movie. Uh, you don't even get that flashback for the first half an hour. And but but the thing that's really great about it is even after you get through the flashback stuff, there is still uh, because of the work that they do in the first act, there's still the possibility that what you're watching is an unreliable narrator story about a woman who's lost her mind and just killed her husband. Yeah. Until your two uh, straight down the line characters at the end see. The fly with the human head being Help eaten by a spider, me. which is Help one me. of the even now one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, people laugh or um, are horrified by that scene. I think it's an interesting one. I was just reading the, like the only thing I, was, I don't th- I don't think it's probably not best to talk about it yet. But just one of the things I was reading is that Vincent I said that it was incredibly hard to shoot that scene because for some reason they had someone saying help me in the shot and they could not stop laughing at what was going on yeah. so, <laughs> he said, so i don't know why because you don't Aww. they don't react to his dialogue so i don't know why they would need someone to say it i would just like i would right, just shoot right. it and be like just act as if you're seeing something here um but yeah apparently they had a very difficult time uh going through it though he does remember as one of his favorite movies that he has done um oh. it's also it's a weird flip too because price is not a, the main cast 
lead here. He's right. not he's not yeah. credited first, but he is basically the largest force in the movie that you see for the first half an hour until he fades away into the flashback. Um, you guys have probably talked about Price. My quick and dirty about him is um, I think he's great. His voice never matches what I think it's going to be when he starts talking. <laughs> I always expect something else, but he's he's uh, wonderful in this, and he he I think he assists a lot of the other actors in his portions as well. He does a good job of helping them. He's uh, he's got one of those like midwestern actor voices where up until like maybe fifteen years ago, I thought he was British. Yeah, just because he's got oh. enough of like a like a, a tint to it that I just like oh yeah, it's British. His name but sounds I didn't British realize too. He's, like, it's a, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, from like Indianapolis yeah. or something. <laughs> and uh, another person I just found out that uh, found out something similar about is the guy who played Commissioner Gordon in the '60s Batman show. To this day, or recently anyway, I thought that guy was British because he has like one of those kind of affected, kind of British sounding actor voices. He's actually from like Lynn. Massachusetts. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just that theater voice, that early yeah. TV yeah. theater yeah. voice. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's like one step beyond um, the non-regional dialect that I myself have tried to perfect. Ah, uh, the Catherine Hepburn, mid-Atlantic, yes. <laughs> 40s, 40s newscaster voice. See here, yeah, Batman. This, uh, this I can't is... believe that. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a very just enunciated uh, cut speech pattern. Yeah, but yeah. Pri- Price brings something softer to it, I feel like. Does. And this was, I think, pretty early for him. Like, this was before he really was Vince, capital V, capital P, Vincent Price, because yep. he hadn't started doing the uh, Edgar Allan Poe stuff for a few years. Oh, okay. um, th- this was a few years before that. Um, but Wikipedia, by the time they, yeah, this was his second movie that was listed as his. So there's something big before mm. this, but this is his second, like, major role for him that's memorable. Yeah, this is an interesting. I, I I find it interesting having watched other Vincent Price movies first and then watching this one, where you do kind of off of the Vincent Price stereotype expect him to be the sort of like mad scientist, mm. spooky guy doing weird shit. And in this one, he's like this very gentle kind of like like compassionate figure which i feel like is really interesting for him it was, it was kind of fun to see him in like a slightly different role than what like you would expect very make- uh, gentle compassionate convincingly french yes, why, yes. why are they french why, why are they think, is it is it canada is <laughs> it montreal i think it's montreal yes. so convincingly canadian french yeah. canadian. It's, it's i feel like honestly yes. i feel like that's a dodge or something where it's like the original story <laughs> must take place in france but yeah. then they only have american actors and none of them are doing accents, but they all they kept the same French names. Yeah. So they're just like uh, Montreal, Quebec. Yeah. The, the, Qu'est-ce qu'il say? They just they 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 hit it so hard and frequently. They're like, I can't believe we live in a, in French speaking areas. Yeah. Like they're basically saying dialogue <laughs> like that. And it's just extremely strange. Vincent Pride is a gentle giant, except he badly wants to bang his brother's wife, which is his. Which is but the that's not even he's, like he's so suspicious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a tiny little plot point though that that is only there to bolster the um the mystery in the first act. Yeah, because they barely yeah. even bring it up again. They just, <laughs> I mean, to his credit, that inspector's pretty good. 
Yeah, yeah I was rolled- when he was like, you seem awfully fond of both yeah. of them. And he was like, yes, he's my brother and my brother's wife. He's like, you're in love with her, aren't yeah. you? And he was like, yes, I am. Yeah, and then, the, then he's like, <laughs> I'm glad you okay, admitted it. I was, I was just checking. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to yeah, make yeah. sure. You said, you said you admitted you did, so I trust you more now. She's There's pretty this- hot. I, I, this <laughs> one into some. I don't blame you, frankly. <laughs> uh, Do you think she'd go out with me? The, uh, this also features my other um, favorite character, which is the uh, medical examiner in the opening sequence where they lift the press up and he he goes, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> How did I miss that? Or there's am a, I just forgetting that? Oh there's, there's a couple funny lines. I can't, I, sh- I was, as it happened, I was like, I need to write this down and I did not write it down. I'll see if I can remember it during the course. So there's a couple of line deliveries here that are extremely funny. That one being one that, yep, he's dead. Oh, <laughs> the other one this guy. One. The other one that I like that it's not it's not super funny, but it's like a it's a um, a nice throwaway bit of exposition is when the um, inspector's talking to Price and he's like, "Yes, we have more money than we know what to do with," <laughs> and it's just laying that out there to explain yep. why they have so much yep. uh, stuff. Oh, and mm. my other one is um, towards the end when Vincent Price comes back to the house and Helene is like, uh, "Andre has something he wants to show you. It's a breakthrough." And Vincent Price goes flat screen. Yeah, <laughs> and then when oh. they actually, then when they actually show him what he developed, he's a little bit underwhelmed that he just developed like teleportation. It was, <laughs> he was apparently hoping, he wa- he wanted to watch the Canadians game on a flat screen. Yeah, it was apparently one of the earliest mentions of flat screen technology in movies. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, so it's, cool. he's they're actually like ahead of the game in what it is. So that, that at the time that was supposed to be remarkable. I can't remember what the funny line is, but I did the other funny runner was. <laughs> the kid going is my father gonna come back they go yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah he'll be fine <laughs> well oh. what's really funny what's really funny about that is i uh just out of curiosity i threw on return of the fly afterwards because it was you know they're both on peacock and the entire plot of this of return of the fly is the son following in the footsteps of the the father's research and it like opens with him basically going like you never should have told me what happened to my father <laughs> <laughs> they tried they tried to oh i have I have a line that I loved and it's when um is it Helene is that her name mm-hmm. Helene mm-hmm. I can't say it right mm-hmm. um and and the and her husband are in the basement and they're doing the teleportation stuff and like I think the, the, the husband um Andre says I think about maybe the the cat disappearing and never coming back he goes it would be funny if life weren't so sacred That's the yes. line that's yes. the line <laughs> That was the line. And, yeah, that's, that's a great and line. And she's like, "Wait a minute, did you kill the cat?" Yeah, yeah. I love when the cat gets disintegrated, and then you just hear this like echoey, yep. <laughs> off into the ether. It's like he's off in the cat atoms went everywhere. <laughs> oh yeah, a stream of cat atoms. <laughs> it's such like a sidestep of someone who got caught doing something wrong. It's like, well, yep. I mean, where was the cat ever really? You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. in a more existential sense. I mean, Schrodinger says. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are Just both... because we can't see him, he could be either alive or dead. Who's mm-hmm. to say? You guys are both pretty positive on this. I adore the first act. I think the middle of this movie has some significant pacing problems. Uh, maybe mostly because I know what's going on, so I don't need 15 minutes of this guy showing me the machine working like five times sure, over. Sure, sure. And I also yeah. really don't like the extended sequence of them trying to catch the fly because it's like 20 minutes of them trying to catch this fly <laughs> in the house. And those two scenes 
I think are pretty bad in a in a pacing sense. And I almost felt like this movie could have been a half hour shorter if you'd have cut those out or at least minimized those to, because I understand it. I think my main problem is that they they set up this story as a as a kind of tragedy, and I think that they waste way too much time with those useless scenes instead of showing me something about their relationship that would make this sadder or like more uh, tragic to on some mm. level. The going to the ballet isn't enough for you. Wes? Not enough. He's <laughs> consumed with his ballet. work writing writing on his napkin. <laughs> I just oh that's my sorry that's my one other favorite scene is when there, he's out in the back basking in his uh, accomplishment. And he's like, would you marry me again if you had the chance? And she's like, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Is that when he's on his giant chair in the backyard? Yes. It's yeah. like an yeah. Alice in Wonderland chair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's been fine. It's been good. I don't, I don't like the pacing in the second bit yeah. of this. I, I, to me, that's when the first act felt really like ahead of its time in a Hitchcocky way, where it's like, wow, this is like modern movie making that they had in the fifties. The middle of it feels to me like a lot of fifties movies that I have a problem with. It's like they sure. don't know, mm. they don't really want to touch on anything, so they'll just show you real time sequences, and you're going to sit through it until it gets to the end. Because where I think the Cronenberg movie is better in some senses because it actually develops like thematic understanding of what this the experiment is and how that ties into oh, totally, like the human yeah. condition yeah this doesn't really like this is just kind of a freak accident that results in a monster being created and it doesn't have that emotional core to it that i think the middle of the movie is supposed to develop instead of just watching this woman be somewhat cruel to her child cruel to the help <laughs> and then walking up and down the stairs of this thing reading notes that he's somehow typing blindfolded with one hand which i thought was interesting um <laughs> he can see pretty good through that thing over his i face. just don't yeah. like the middle really it, it knocks the movie down for me like uh, from an all-timer to a pretty good movie overall yeah i mean i i agree that it definitely has pacing problems and a little bit of like a tonal issue where it's kind of like i think this movie like we were saying, like parts of it hit high highs mm. and kind of start to transcend the like B movie monster, like creature feature kind of thing. And then parts of the middle sort of dip back into that style of just like the monstrous man fly. Like, and I, I think that's kind of the weakness where we have, the comparison of the really, really strong first act with the more patchy middle portion. Like, I think if it had, ironically, I think if the, the first third or, or, or however much was less compelling, the middle wouldn't look so bad. Mm. What do like, you think is I going think on it, in the middle, I guess, would be my question. Like, what, what are they trying to do in the middle section? Besides show you how I, the tech works. I think there is like after he goes through his accident, a really interesting period of like they're trying to build some suspense about what has happened to him exactly. Yeah. Like if you still, if you went into this blind and you did not know that he gets genetically mixed up with a fly you would just see him hiding his arm and under the under the black cloth and he's he's pretty eerie actually yeah. 
like when when he's when he's covered like that at first and you don't know for sure what's happened to him and I, I think it's maybe trying to draw out some of the tension there. Like, I, th- I think at first it's trying to establish their relationship and what a genius he was. And here's the tech. And then I think it's trying to make it suspenseful before the the monster reveal. Yeah, I, I think I think what hampers this movie that the 80s one definitely is not held back by is that the idea of because I, I was trying to think I was like, this is 1958. How many like body horror movies have they done at this mm. point? You know, it's usually like already a monster. Monster has been created. It's not generally like I guess there's like werewolves. There's and that's werewolves, kind of it. but yeah, that's that's basically it up to this point. Yeah, and I think the 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 idea of someone slowly transforming into a, a, a fly and dealing with it is is a is is a. a you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it kind of thing. <laughs> and what the 80s one does really well is that's the movie in the 80s one. That's where you get all of yeah. that <clears throat> character um, work and relationship stuff is the two of them going through this horrible process together. This one, I really like it once he's changed and once once he, he's got the thing over his face and he's turned into the fly. I think the stuff before that you could, I could really do without, like you're saying. But um, I, it struck me that one, the the actual fly portion of the movie is pretty small. Yeah, yeah. Because he just kind of it's a lot of build up, and then he becomes the fly, and then it's maybe only like a couple scenes, and then he's dead. Yep. And um, I think they get some really good stuff out of those scenes, like the uh, the. It, it reminds me a bit of the. Um, revealing of the phantom of the opera the way that she's kind of like following him around and he's Mm. turning away and then eventually she just pulls the thing off of his face and you know is horrified yeah uh i think the makeup looks pretty good actually it's a a great reveal of the yeah Yeah. it feels fantastic it's not it's like it's maybe not a great mask but it's effective enough at what it needs to do it has one of these very strange trivia things that i never really believe which is that um (laughs) the director didn't the thing was saying that the first time that the actress saw the mask was during that reveal to get an accurate reaction to it. But my question is always, they have multiple angles on the shot. Like they didn't have multiple cameras. Like she's clearly acting. You know know what I mean? There's no, there's no, it seems like someone who doesn't understand how a movie is made. And they're like, well, that's that that was all done in one, one take. And they just went on from there. It's like, well, it seems maybe they're just saying, they're just saying that they filmed the first time she saw it, not necessarily that they used that take. Right. But the, mm. the when her hand <laughs> pulls it away, the shot is yeah. nothing until it cuts back to her. Like there's no reaction right. until the reaction yeah. shot. Right. So it's like, well, you didn't, it didn't show anything. Well, what's funny about that is actually, again, speaking of Phantom of the Opera, I believe that is definitely true in Phantom because the way that they shoot that is they have her standing behind the Phantom and she pulls his mask off and you see the phantom first and in the same shot he turns around mm-hmm. and so you see her see him for the first time and react yeah so mm. it's actually it, they actually do that i think pretty convincingly there but yeah i think i think that the, the problem is the 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 remake is like i said a minute ago the remake is about these two dealing with the this transformation that's happened 
the structure of this one kind of makes that really difficult because so much of it is this mystery at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's going to end up dead. Yeah. And you've got this mystery that takes up the first half an hour or so. And then you have to get into, okay, how did this happen? So you have to explain what this technology shit does. The remake, he's explaining with the technology in like the first scene of the movie. Like it opens up and Jeff Goldblum's in the middle of saying, and so that's how I transport people from one place to another. (laughs) They also get that out of the way really quick. By the remake. Like people understand teleportation. My flaw with the, the tech showing, tech dev in this is that he's like, I can do it with a plate. I could do it with a pine cone. I can do it with this thing. <laughs> Let me see if this thing works. So it's like, I got it. Yeah. I, just, I understand. You're transporting well, shit back and forth. So I actually wanted to ask you guys, what do you think the point is of the fact that he sends the plate through and it comes out uh, in the other side with the writing backwards and mm. then he has to spend time fixing it. And then he fixes it and he sends a newspaper through and they're like, oh, it's perfect. It's like... It's weird right, development. So what was... There's no reason yeah, to have a flaw in the tech to that point. Well, I think I think the reason to do that is to show that there is a flaw. Like it, like a flaw could happen. Like it's kind of foreshadowing okay. of of him eventually using it on himself and something going wrong. Yeah. Where you've set the precedent that something has already gone wrong. Got there's it. No, okay. I, I think. Because yeah. there's no there's no shot of the fly getting into the machine. <laughs> right? That's all There's no shot of there's no shot of him getting into no. the machine either. Yeah. No, yeah. So you, you you just rely on him saying that that's what happened to it i actually as much as i love the cronenberg one i do really like the way they handle that that in this one um it's kind of uh um what's the word i'm looking for it remind it reminds me of, a, of the way they would might do it in a novel or something like, mm. like a lovecraft story where you the first inkling that something is wrong and that he doesn't meet francois when he comes and there's the note on the door and the note is written weird and they make a comment about, Oh, he's whatever. You can't even, he can't even write anymore. And then you, you are slowly being led into this idea that something horrible has happened. Yeah. I, I, I like the way that they do that. Um, and then once they, once she gets in there, I like the thing where he's only, he's communicating through knocking on stuff. And yeah. that, that, I think they get a lot of good, good business out of that stuff. Cause I'd, I'd agree with Amanda that it's about that suspense and that reveal. I just think mm. 75% of the stuff is not in service of that whatsoever. Sure, um, sure. It maybe slightly develops this idea that there is a loose fly that they will eventually need to catch. Like, I think they do a couple of those scenes mm. where they're just focusing on the fly to figure things out. I mean, That's I guess true. I guess if you were unfamiliar, I was more conscious of it in the first act. If you are unfamiliar with the plot, you're probably not sure because you haven't been seeing the fly thing, I guess, if you're super sharp you're going to pick up that there's a lot of flies in this movie for some reason um and you might understand that that's what happened to him but you are going in blind to the reveal there i just i don't because i think that the movie is trying to sell it as a kind of personal tragedy which doesn't really ever end up working for me it like it almost works better in the mystery of a wife has killed her husband at the start for mysterious reasons, but mm-hmm. there's nothing yeah. there's nothing after that where I'm like, oh, these these two are like really in love. They just have a fifties relationship oh, yeah. on film, you know. It's, that's 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 kind of what I think I mean when I say like this was a little bit too much for the time they made it, I think, because peppered throughout this movie are these weird fifties touches 
that that really sand off any grit that's on this. Like after the scene at the end, where uh, Vincent Price and the inspector see this human fly hybrid getting eaten by a spider, and then the inspector crushes it and is like, "I don't know what I just saw." Yeah. <laughs> But I guess I'm also guilty of murder now. Let's just say it was a suicide and we'll cover it up. They go from there and like they have this kind of like ethical discussion a, a little bit about. They figure out their plan, right? Just their their explanation. She, right. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next scene after that, the wife and the son are just playing croquet, having a great yeah. time. Yeah. They're just hanging out in the yard. And Vincent Price shows up and, and he's like, you know, your dad was a great man who just was too much of an explorer and it eventually he went he went just a little bit too far but never let that discourage you from exploring science and like i want to explore like my dad happy yes. ending they all walk off into the sunset and they have other scenes in there where it's like they've got these little bits where it's like the 50s mentality has to has to really drive home that the the evil here is like science progressing too fast science yeah yeah, because it's, it's not scene, it's not about uh, the scientists. You know, it's not about the no, right, right. That guy's just yeah, a cardboard cutout of a character, really. In, yeah, there's no commentary on like hubris, right? No, yeah, or like man is not meant to know certain. things. He never has a conversation with his things. brother. Interestingly, you think right. in a, in a yes. movie yeah. that those brothers would have some kind of antagonistic relationship? He's like, "You're trying to fuck my wife. I'm going to teleport your ass out of here." Like, but they, or they even don't like do anything. it's sort of like the the genius brother and the un the underappreciated practical yeah. brother and the tension that would the be finance there, guy, like, <laughs> the science guy, yeah, the finance well, like guy, the, reli- yeah. the reliable guy, the guy who's like keeping the lights on and the bills paid while his like this charismatic is your fifth but, like, crazy machine yeah. that hasn't worked, Andre. I can't I'm the guy who does his stuff. job. Right. You must be the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's so much potential for that kind of thing. Or even like even in a movie where this sort of like love triangle is sort of central to the film of like Andre and Helene and Francois, like <laughs> it's weirdly passionless. Yeah. Like like yeah. there's oh, there's, definitely. Yeah. there's like no yeah. real like, Except for the scene even- where it's 50s dialogue where he's basically going, I'm going to fuck you. And she goes, yeah. Well, whatever they say in 50s dialogue, <laughs> though, is like, but that's what they, he hold, he like grabs yeah, him. Right. He's like, he, you're he's, looking very he, passionate tonight. Like yeah. He, he says something like, oh, that's not what science isn't what's on your mind. Right. Or but something even, like that. Even in that scene, they kind of, they kind of have that moment. And then they go, let's run this champagne through. The machine. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, all of that stuff is gone. But yeah, there's like that scene. There, and you know, the one time that, you, well, I guess she's in bed with other stuff on, but it's like she, there's yeah. the one scene you see her in bed, she's fully clothed. And yeah. there's a, uh, um, there's, there's always a the scene help towards right the there. end. Always yes, someone in the yeah. room with her, just looking at her. Yes. Yes. A chaperone at all times. Yeah. And like in the eighties one, the mistake happens because, uh, Brundle gets drunk because he's jealous. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and because, uh, Vincent Price, I guess, is the Stathis Borens character in this one. But, Stathis. Uh, but like Stathis. that that is all built into the tragedy of of what is the catalyst that sets everything off. This one, he does it off screen. It just seems to be like a calculation error, basically. Yeah, he just didn't shut the there door. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've got that scene um 
I, I think it's I it's obviously it's definitely before he goes through the machine, but I think it's the scene after the ballet when they're in there and they send the champagne or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where uh, I think it's the same as the cat scene where he's like, "It'd be a shame. If, if, <laughs> it would be whatever. funny if yeah. life weren't so sacred." <laughs> where she, Helene, that you know, Helene has one of those like fifties PSA kind of character breakdowns where she's she's just like, "But Andre." It's just that science moves so fast that yeah. it's terrifying. And I'm not like, ready I know, for this. sweetie. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not ready for the things that man can create. And it's, it's just a very stilted, like, really on-the-nose idea of what the themes of the movie are. And super out of character for her because, like, I, I, I one, of, one of the things that does actually convince me about her relationship with Andre is that she seems extremely proud of him. Like yeah. she seems like the, the glow of being married to somebody who's such a, a rich genius is important to her. Mm-hmm. Like, like she's into the fact that he is so, Oh, he's so brilliant. And he's just taken away by his intellectual curiosity all the time. Like, she seems really into that. And that was one of the things that made their relationship feel at least somewhat believable to me that she is very supportive of him locking himself in the basement lab. Like she kind of, she kind of complains about it a little bit, but she's also very like, Oh, but that's just Andre. You know, he's always so brilliant, always working on something so amazing. Go to this huge house. And like, yeah. And the, the, the yeah. hired help and everything like that. Yeah. She's got her maid and all, all sorts. Like she doesn't. Yeah. Um, that strikes me as and, weird. Sorry, but it strikes me as no, weird that, it. like, I think the scene where she crushes him and you see it is pretty bad because she's, there's, like, no, there's no relationship between them. He just lays down. He's like, right. come on, come on, come on. She's like, see yeah. <laughs> the She even, she has and then moves zero problem. Yeah, she has zero problem opening the thing up and shoving his hand in and then <laughs> yeah. doing, it again. doing it again. And I mean, I guess you can kind of write that off as like he was losing himself to the new to his fly brain. Mm-hmm. Well, but I I don't know. I, I guess that's a good point, as any because I maybe we'll touch on the themes later because I think the movie is kind of devoid of theme. Interestingly, um, yeah. But my technical problem with this movie is that I'm not exactly sure what's going on with the transformation. He, I don't think he's changing any more than he actually has. But the, the problem for me is that the movie seems to imply that he and the fly switched heads, which is basically their personalities switched. Like the fly, the insect is now the guy, and the guy is now the insect that's walking around. But they don't seem to, they, they can't get away with that with the human body fly head thing, because that thing needs to convey information to his wife. So instead Mm. of it being a switch of bodies and the fly is now this like monster that's in the basement, he is, he has to do this thing where he acts as if the fly arm is one thing and he, his human arm is trying to stop (laughs) it from doing stuff. And yeah, but you don't get that sense unless I'm supposed to believe that the fly body is flying around like a fly and the guy's head can't control where it flies and that's why he hit flew into the spider web at the very end, you know? Is that what's going Maybe. on with the fly body that he he's just <laughs> hitching a ride on a fly body that's zooming around everywhere? Because no as a human I mean, fly, he does a terrible job of being caught by the people who are trying to get him. You know what I mean? He does a terrible job. I mean, he's, he <laughs> seems to be more of a fly than a human. Even at the yeah, end, when he's screaming for help, he seems very human-like. Oh, but why, why is right, he resisting yeah. being caught by them? Because he knows that he needs to go back into the transporter to get fixed. Well, I think, I think if I had to make a judgment call, I would say that 
the way that it's the way that they portray human with fly head is that he at at the beginning still has his human mental faculties. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I think you can assume that vice versa is also the case where the fly with the human head is still mostly fly sensibilities. At the start, I guess, would make that make sense, right? So if yeah. the, if and the, I think yeah. you could, and I think part of what makes the end really disturbing mm. is that by that logic, the fly with the human head is now becoming more human, more human as it's sure. yeah, yeah okay. right. as it's stuck in that in that web. Yeah, because there is the there is the moment where he writes on the chalkboard and he's or he he, he types and stuff on the on yeah. the key on the keyboard Jesus on the typewriter <laughs> and then also writes on the chalkboard and he's writing things like getting harder to think brain yeah. hurts um, or whatever he says yeah brain, yeah want, yeah want sugar more <laughs> sugar with sugar rum and water interestingly yeah. <laughs> also will a fly just land on a pile of dry sugar? Sugar. If you dump it out, I thought you need something a little bit more liquidy there for to attract a fly. Yeah. You need like rotten fruit. That's what that always works for me. That's my yeah. only. Huh. That's my technical nitpick, and it seems like one of those things that it's like. Yeah. In a more thematic movie, I probably wouldn't care. But as it was going on, I was like, "What exactly is going on with this transformation? Like, is is this guy <laughs> supposed to be a fly? Is he changing? Is the other fly not changing? Why would the fly be evading being caught? What's going on there? All that well, stuff. at least at least you're thinking about that at the end when uh, when Francois tells the inspector about everything that's happened. The inspector is more hung up on. He goes, "Matter can't be transformed yeah. <laughs> and sent between two places." And I'm like, "Dude, he just told you his brother is walking around. It was a half human fly hybrid, but yes. you're focused on the tech going on here." Yes, the tech. The, yeah. the tech is, is a. The tech works. Obviously, it's a. It's to Paul's reaction to time travel here yes, with people yes. with t- teleportation they're like you can't do that yeah. this is against the laws of god and nature yeah um did you so you guys didn't add left it sounds like you had less of a problem with the transformation issue than i did i wouldn't even yeah, say I had I, an issue i just I, I was thinking about it too much yeah i think for me it's like once they start rolling that ball it just it just makes sense to me the way that it goes uh, i i will say that i have always found it weird that his fly hand starts to turn into like a, a jet like a evil hand yeah. that yeah, tries like to like stop him hand. from doing stuff that's a little weird when he's right, on the press would, and it's trying to get away and he's grabbing it to pull it pull it back on yeah. the, the on the press getting away actually kind of makes sense to me because there is that sort of like animal instinct yeah, to survive. just escape danger mm-hmm. but it's when he's like trying to like write stuff to Helene yeah. or he's trying to like he 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 like wants to stay away and the the fly arm tries to reach out and touch her and he's like no no stay away from her and it's like you know, I don't know if if it's like a fly instinct arm. If they were more like just like it was kind of just like twitching and making weird movements by his side, I'd buy it more. It would like work mm-hmm. better for me. Well, what's um, gained? I guess what like in, in your in that case, Amanda. Like, what, do you think that anything is yeah. gained by having there be a combative nature between the two of them? I don't think that the I don't think the movie I don't think he gains anything there because. He still has to go through the tragedy of committing suicide, and it's not yeah. like that thing stops him from. You I know? think the only thing it really does is it sets up this like inner. It's like an outer manifestation of his inner turmoil inside his brain as he's kind of like losing the fight to stay human, mm-hmm. and it's like an outward example of that. But I, yeah, I, I think it would have worked better if it had been less of like malevolent fly arm and more just like how does a fly move its hands and arms when it's 
you, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it was more like an instinctual insect motion rather than this like aggressive. Yeah. Like if it was attitude. more him devolving I, basically into yeah, something, exactly. then it just That's being a perfect like a, a way of devil inside of him that he's trying to yes. control. <laughs> well, yes. I, I honestly, I don't know this for sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if the answer is again, a, a product of the time that the movie was made and when and mm. they're like, okay, the end of this movie is this man killing himself in a very brutal manner because he doesn't think he thinks he is a an abomination that doesn't deserve to live. Uh, we need to at least make it seem like he's a monster. And yeah. so yeah. the fly part has to become monstrous and has to become malevolent. Yeah. And it's so it's just not so fucking sad. Yeah. <laughs> Like it, like in the fly in the '87 fly, yes. it's pretty monstrous. It's still pretty fucking sad. But I, yeah, but I, excuse me, sorry. Go ahead, Amanda. I'm just coughing. Just that, that that's that's a thing that I think it's tough. Like having seen the Cronenberg fly first and more often, like comparing the way the transformation is handled in that movie to this one, where it's not this 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 like. One third of the man has gone on to the fly body and one third of the fly has gone on to the man body. Instead, it's just fully this man transforming into some third creature, I think is even how he puts it, that he's becoming something new. Um, And that opens up all these possibilities for not only like it being grotesque, but it being dangerous and evil, maybe not evil, but like, just malevolent enough that it's like, oh, it's not safe for this to continue. He does have to die. Yeah. He's dangerous enough. Seth, Seth Brundle is dangerous enough that he needs to die. Mm. Whereas Andre the Flyman is kind of just sad. Yeah, Brundle a- actively does bad he things. vomits onto a dude's arm and melts it off. Yeah, so. he breaks that one dude's arm in the bar. He kidnaps Gina Davis. <laughs> From her, I mean, uh, haven't we all kidnapped her Gina Davis? Though? Abortion consultation. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, she he he acid vomits Stathis Boren's leg off. Like he, he does some pretty <laughs> heinous shit. That's like okay, he follows this guy's through on the abortion. Go. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and, and he's all like, "I'm gonna put you into the transporter thing now yeah. with me, and then we're gonna become a whole new thing, one big happy family." And it's like, oh yeah. okay. Andre doesn't do any of that stuff. Andre no. is just Andre's just immediately like. Please don't look at me. I'm hideous. Also, please kill me because yeah. I can't Bring live me being this hideous. Bring me rum. And it's, and <laughs> it's sugar really, and water. Again, I, I hate to keep blaming this on the time that it was made, but it it oddly takes away a lot of agency from Helene's character because all of the forward momentum is handled by Andre. Andre is like, yeah. I, I have made the decision that I need to die. I am going to show you what you have to do. And she just obeys. And then she just does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no real, like, she's just kind of along for the ride. Well, the, Whereas yeah. in, in the, the Cronenberg version, Gina Davis has a much more proactive and, and has a lot more agency than, than Helene does. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it, I think ultimately what this is, is I think it's a writing issue that they wrote themselves into a corner. Because what I what I think that they want to do in that 50 cents is that they want him to be a monster. The problem is... The only way to get the exposition across is if he is still somewhat human, that he can explain sure. the situation. And also in his death, it seems slightly, this is just an assumption, 
50s filmmaking would have a harder time being like, how does this woman overpower this guy and get him onto the press in order to kill him? You know, so there has to be a kind of. Hey, man, Linda Hamilton managed to do it with the exact same thing with the Terminator. She just (laughs) run, run fast, tricked him into going into it. But also in the 50s. Yeah. Like women aren't seen as violent, like like a woman isn't going to kill her husband. She's just not going to. Right. Well, it, it. it would be a monster in that. Like, there would be no. So, yeah. so the interesting schism is that they need him to be somewhat human because he has to explain what's going on, and he has to be able right. to sacrifice himself to be allowed to be killed by her. The problem yes. there is that they want this monster thing to be happening, but at the same time, they're stuck in a older mindset where, like, it's difficult if it's a monster in the basement. How do you get it to the factory to crush it? Basically, right. how do you yeah. do things right. with it? But they also don't want to. They're 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 also a little bit limited because while acknowledging that this guy is not quite fly, not quite human, they don't want it. They haven't built up themes that would support it being a guy going through a change in a monster yeah. movie. This movie, yeah. the script makes a little bit more sense, where it's just he's a loving husband who becomes a monster and she has to kill him immediately, and that's it. But if he's half that, they're in this awkward spot where it's like, well, we don't really have anything to talk about here in the middle of the movie, unfortunately. So. What yeah. are we going to do? Well, I think they also, especially judging by that final awkward kind of happy ending scene, they need him to be redeemable. And the only way for him to be redeemable is to have some part of his humanity still left in there. Kind of yeah. like it has to make his death look like it's a noble death. Yeah, yeah. he has to willingly go. And like even his his whole thing to to her, which is like, you have to destroy all the evidence. Like we can't let this happen again. We have to protect people from this. It's not worth it. It's too dangerous for, for there's too much risk to others. So I'm going to burn all my notes and destroy the lab. And then I'm the last piece of evidence. So in order to protect the rest of humanity, you have to kill me. The last chip is in here. (laughs) (laughs) You should have given her the fly thumbs up as the the press. Now I understand why you cry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah like like i can't imagine if there was like a, a a little coda on the end of the 87 fly where it's gina davis you know driving the pacific coast highway with her five-year-old son she's like let me tell you about your father and staff this is in the passenger yeah, he seat he was a great scientist who just went a little bit too far <laughs> and then it's like what <laughs> is vincent price in a relationship with her at the end or is he just a a happy uncle who's showing up for the zoo. Yeah, I See, think he's just the uncle. Okay. That's what I was kind of saying earlier about it being like a weirdly passionless movie because you would think that there'd be some sort of moment where Francois and Helene kind of get together, you know, like like some moment where he he saves her or he helps her right. or he tells her, you know, he he comes back and says, you know, let her go. She doesn't have to go to the hospital. She needs to be here with her son. And she runs into his arms and oh, Francois, I knew you would. I knew you would save me. And they finally kiss. Mm. Like th- I'm not saying that that would be good, but I yep. am saying that like this movie seems like it's kind of building towards something like that, where these well, two people are gonna get together. Yeah. Like he loves her so purely, and she needs some big strong man to protect her, and so they're like a logical 
couple in the end, but this they're movie also weirdly, partners like, in this business. It's like you just right, bring it all in yeah. family at this point. Just you know, yeah. Clean up the but finances. the movie like the movie weirdly like backs away from it. Yeah, he becomes like a weird surrogate dad to Philippe. When the, well, in the context boy. of the movie, it's not really necessary that they have the thing where the inspector in, in accuses him of being in love with her because it doesn't. Right. Right. There's yeah. no. There's no right, gain of function anything. from that. Yeah. Well, it does. Yeah. It does also have that little bit. It's kind of similar to a scene in the Innocence that we just talked about, where when he's talking about being in love with the sister with Helene, he's the the inspector's like, "How come you ne- never married her?" And he's like, "Well, I don't. You know." I'm a, being a bachelor is pretty fun. I know it's not. I mean, she's got a kid. Like, I don't want any part of that. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I like kids when I can give them back at the end. Of the day. You yeah, know, it's but, like but he says. He says I don't think she ever even saw me. She only had eyes for Andre. Right. Yeah. So, like, I think that you know, I don't know. You could have. You could. They could have done something a little more with the unrequited nature of the, of their of this affection. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Wes. That it's sort of like don't really get why they introduce it if they're not gonna ever do anything with it it's it can also end in tragedy of, i think right Sorry, sure, sure but it, sure. it can, it can but end in a kind, right it can end in a kind of like we both feel something for each other but this is just be too weird like we you crushed my brother like i got you know it's right. that kind of thing but instead they're like yeah. let's go get yeah. an ice cream and head off to the zoo what do you say about that yeah even if even if she was like you know what Philippe has already been through enough. It's too confusing. You're his uncle. Right. Yeah. I can't do that to him. He's too young. He doesn't even understand really what's going on with his dad. He couldn't catch the fly I was looking for, this idiot. Do you think this kid's going to be able to handle <laughs> yeah. this stuff? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I think it's also, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's also a, a symptom of the structure of, of the movie as well because <clears throat> the structure being a flashback the way it is and the flashback being the answer to this mystery they've set up, the, it's really only two people for the for the majority of the middle of the movie. You really don't have any other characters that they interact with. Yeah, <coughs> if me. they do, it's not like substantive. Right, so you yeah. kind of, you have to spend that time building the relationship between uh, Andre and Helene. And so... It becomes a it becomes a two person movie, and Francois only shows up in that like last scene. So there's no time and there's no room for any. I mean, they probably could have snuck some stuff in there, but um, I think it probably would have taken away from what they were trying to do. Because this is really like there's only like three sets in this movie. Yeah, <clears throat> there's yeah. like I, they spend a lot of time in that in that lab set, and then there's the house set, and then that's basically it. They, I guess they go to the ballet, but it doesn't really count. And the the press the press set. And yeah. Aside from that, it's it's a very contained story. Yeah. With with uh, with um, not a lot of moving parts, really. So I have a question because there's there's a mention a couple times when Andre has had his accident, and Helene is is kind of trying to convince him that there are options for him, and she's like, I could I could talk to Doctor So and So or Doctor So and So or Professor whoever, they would help you. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if maybe some of the, not all of, but some of the scenes we're saying in that middle portion that kind of seemed to drag things down. Do you think some of them could have been cut and replaced with her going outside of of the house and trying to find someone to help him? Do you think that would have been a good choice or would that have just like added another thread that was kind of introduced and then dropped? I think... 
I think that is sacrificed by the structure of the mystery. Yeah. Because the thing with the beginning is literally no one has any idea what happened. Like nobody saw this coming. Yeah. Nobody knows why it happened or why she would have killed him. <clears throat> so any movement outside of their little circle there um, kind of cracks. Unless you could do it in a way that was that made her that played into the idea that she was losing it. Mm. And so it leads into the idea that, oh, she's crazy and she just killed this guy. But, you know, as soon as she goes to Francois and says, Andre's done something really reckless. He really needs your help. That kind of punctures that balloon of the mystery where nobody knows what happened. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, I would have. I like how contained it is. I would have. I mean, it's a fairly substantial change, but I would have just built up this love triangle between them. Like I, I feel that that has to feature yeah. a little bit more prominent. It's it's interesting mm-hmm. that Cronenberg's version just does much more. With, like it keeps the idea, and it just it's, does. It's much pretty more much it. the same story. Yeah. Like well, I mean, it's like obviously the structure is very different, but the the characters who are in play are very similar. Yeah. 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 It's. I don't. I just. I don't know what I you can say, do. I I would just cut those scenes. Like to me, it, it's mm. a movie that's actually thirty minutes too long, and the monster reveal or the monsterization of the thing just needs to be a little bit uh, quicker. I guess. Like you, I, I you don't, know what I, I would gain do a lot. I would I would go the other way with it a little bit. I think, and I would have their marriage be kind of rocky instead of them being like just lovey-dovey and all all the time and it's just let's hug and talk about science (laughs) i would have her being a lot more um frustrated by how much he's working what he's doing and then that would allow you to have some scenes in this flashback where she is talking to francois because andre never comes out of the goddamn it's weird that he's so successful it's weird that he's like a billionaire inventor and he's not some down on his luck guy who's just like they even they even mention this is like a thing they don't do anymore because it seems so over the top. But when when he first brings her down there to show him what he's working on, she lists off like three other amazing inventions yeah. that he has already <laughs> made. So this guy is yes. like known for coming up with groundbreaking scientific inventions. And this is just the next one he comes up with. This is yeah. He's not like Doc Brown where he's been trying for years, but nothing ever works. And this is the one yeah. thing that works. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There's nothing there's, there's nothing to that character that makes this special or interesting, really. Or it adds um, tension to it. There's no tension right. to yeah. the, the yeah. invention whatsoever. Yeah. But, you know, I, I kind of like that because especially if, 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 it, if the movie had gone more into the potential love triangle aspects of it because i think the fact that he is wealthy and secure and successful makes it make sense why she's with him sure like but i think that would be heightened if there were more of the scenes like there is implying that women only care about money no (laughs) those are your words not mine those were not my words you are literally the one who said them so i'm just i'm just reading words reading the lines that you back then back back in the 50s like (laughs) financial security was very important especially once she had a kid because she can't go get a job herself right yeah so it would make sense if she was like well no but i love him and he's such a he's so brilliant and he provides really really well for for philippe and i he takes good care of us he's he's an important man he's doing important things and he needs me to support him 
But then on the other hand, you have like briefly in the movie, she has a phone conversation with Francois where she seems much more comfortable with him. Like she's having a real conversation with him. They're, they're having a back and forth. It's not just him pontificating and her going, but darling, are you sure? Mm. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think they could have played that up more of like, Andre's doing all the things that a husband should be doing on paper, but Francois is providing something emotionally to her that she's not getting. Sure. Emotional sure. cheating. My God. Yeah. You should see their text threads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they, and it's funny because as we talk about this, it sounds like you just kind of like, it does sound like you merge into what Cronenberg eventually did. What, right. what I, yeah. what I think the downside to changing it is that it kind of removes what makes this novel to me in some ways, yeah. like the 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 yeah. lack of. I don't mind the lack of stuff in it. I just wish that that the lack of stuff hadn't impacted the runtime so much. Like I, I feel that I feel that the. I feel if this was an an hour long movie, I'd go wow this, that was a great mystery setup like kind of a crazy thing. And then the ending just hits you like that. Like yeah, there's, there's something yeah. there, but instead there's just this interminable middle section um, before you get to the end. And it's just, they don't need to go for something thematic. They don't have to do that. But if it had been a cleaner execution, I would have thought it would have been a better movie for me and a more memorable experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's Do we talk about the end enough? Are we done with the end? I mean, the end is, um, it is hor- it is both horrifying and funny to me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, the effects haven't held up really all that much, but they they've <laughs> held up that, enough to be scary. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, the spider web <laughs> is hilarious. Like the the spider and the spider web are so huge. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> like not even not even the close up part, like just the normal like we're shooting the bench and you can see the, you can sp- see the spider, spider web. Yeah, yeah, it's it like a spider so, web made of twine. Yeah, it's like <laughs> one of those. They are in Montreal, and this spider is like one of those Costa Rican spiders that eats birds. It is fucking. Gigantic. It's like a spider, spider from plays, Jumanji. <laughs> plays yeah. goalies. Plays goalie yeah. for the Habs. But that being said, <laughs> when they push in to the close up. I find that spider terrifying. It's terrifying, even though it's yeah. this, it's the yeah. very fake looking spider. But just the 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 fact that it's crawling up on this on this th- this fly guy who's like twitching and yelling "Help me!" and then it starts yep. fucking eating. It's terrifying. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't it, care it, how fake it looks. And it is, and it's scary to me. Like it's it's all like again, it's almost funny because of how silly, especially on the on the further away shots, the the, the spider and the web look. And how the special effects haven't held up very well, but it's a horrifying thought when you're when when you're having that kind of debate like we did earlier of how much of fly with a man head is human. Yeah, yeah. Like, he seems so pretty human is, at that point. He, yeah, he does. So there's this horrifying idea where you're like, oh my god, the, the, whatever you want to call this thing, whether it's Andre or, or a fly, it's aware of what's happening to it yeah. on a, like a on a human consciousness level, which is like, that's the scary part for well, me. Well, that's my yeah, problem. About- be like, why, why is this thing outside? You, you, like man fly, yeah. you'll find the safe space inside the house well, and hide <laughs> up in the corner. Well, what I was well, going to say- the maid keeps trying to kill him, so. Mm. That's true. What I was going to say is, think about it in relation to how- the other version evolves. So he's still, 
you know, partly human, partly fly by the time he gets crushed, right? Yeah. So imagine imagine being partly human, partly fly, not really understanding what's going on while you're zipping around flying through the air. Yeah. And then you evolve to the point where you are aware as a human being that you are now, and the first thing that you recognize now being aware again is a gigantic spider about yeah. to eat you. Yeah. 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 No, it's... I'm sorry. A boot to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Two questions. Did Vincent Price hear it calling help me the first time he sat down? I, I don't think so. I couldn't I couldn't track that whether or not he was I think the bells are tolling when it's happening. So I they? think the I Just think the implication out. is yeah that he can't it's such a quiet little voice that he can't hear it with the bells going chiming the hour. Yeah, it's a little bit weird to track because the mix on the voice is loud enough that you can very clearly make out what's being said, but he's yes, reacting the, yeah. as though he's not really hearing it. So, yeah. yeah. Second question: uh, The guy makes the in- inspector makes the interesting decision to get a big rock and hit the <laughs> spider with it. Uh, what would you do in that situation? Is a rock necessary? Uh, I think I'd flick the spider. Right? If I was, if I was I think, staring at the, I think I'd just like. I think Clay and I would both run away yeah. because we hate spiders. Yeah, I, I, I think I would, I would take five or six big steps back and just keep going. Yeah, yeah pretend, pretend, pull a Vincent Price, pretend you didn't hear if it the I, first time. Yeah, seriously. Having having an ingrained fear of spiders as I do, if I were to look at a spider web and recognize that it was a human being about to be eaten by a spider, I'd go. <gasps> This is the visualization, literalization of everything I fear about spiders. And then I would run away. <laughs> Hope I don't know that guy. Yep. I, I guess that's it for The Fly, 1958. Does anyone have anything else they want to say about this one? I uh, I didn't realize they made two sequels. I knew that they made one because um, of the Misfits song, Return of the Fly, which features, <laughs> features the lyrics, Return of the Fly, yes. Return of the Fly. With Vincent Price, Return of the Fly. <laughs> the best song. And then the cor- the verse is Helene Delambre, Helene Delambre, Francois. Oh. Return of the Fly, Return of the Fly with Vincent Price, Return of the Fly. Um, <laughs> I do I love if that they, they were worked aware in of the, the names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they at least read the back of the video. Um, I, th- I think it is so uh, kind of more than any other monster movie franchise, if you want to call it that. I find something hilarious that they this same exact thing happened three times. Yes. Yeah. Because the second one <laughs> it keeps happening. The second one is the son trying to continue the research, and then like the guy he's working with pushes him into the thing and turns it on, and it turns him into a human fly hybrid. <laughs> I don't. And the third one is some variation on that, but there's something just it. This is so the the catalyst for this is such based on like imprecise science and like an accident. Yeah, it's like such a specific scenario yeah. that has to cause it. It's not like how do you become a werewolf? Oh, well, you just have to be in proximity to a, a werewolf and it might well, bite you. Right. Like well, you can't help that. Like you're you're walking through the moors on in England on one night and werewolf. Like that's right. not yeah, you, you you could be anywhere so long as the werewolf is also there. Well, you never listen, know. Listen, listen. Good science is all about being able to replicate your results. That's true. So this yes. is this is good science that these guys are. This well, is, that's, if you're trying to turn people into flies, this is great. I science. was I was thinking that as I was watching this, I was like, you know, 
current events aside, this is pretty groundbreaking <laughs> technology. I think someone could take this. I feel and... like they were doing this where my husband used to work. Oh yeah, yeah he yeah he has some st- the, weird the, stories. The, the tagline of where he used to work is biologically inspired engineering. Yeah, mm-hmm. that wow, that's yeah. yeah, that's something out of a Cronenberg movie. Here we go. Help me. Help me. <laughs> just, you, just Amanda doesn't notice anything weird about those scenes in this movie. She's like, there's no. always tiny insects calling for help everywhere. Uh, we're, we're, don't we're, you guys? I, I mean, Greg just told me that's just the the wind coming through the the. The window panes, <laughs> silver, yeah. just house. silverfish yeah. all walking around saying help yeah, me all the time. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got those house centipedes that yell help me. Amanda, final thoughts about this film, this flick? It's 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 fun. I enjoy it. I I still like the '80s version better, but I do think they're two very different movies in a lot of ways, trying to do very different things. Yeah. yeah, when I when I think of fifties monster movies, no, I actually really haven't seen that many because they mm. ha- they tend to be fairly uh, disposable given yeah. the the era. The fifties was not great for movies in general. Um, and I think when the first time that I saw this, the thing that struck me about it was how hard in the paint it goes in certain areas. Mm. Yeah, like the the reveal is really great. The ending is really creepy. It opens with a pretty gruesome murder. I was very surprised that they that a movie from 1958 was was doing that stuff. Yeah. How, but as we all talked about, the flip side to that is it's still a movie from 1958, so it's got a lot of the trappings of the era in it, which does bring it down a bit. But yeah. I've always I've always really enjoyed it and I'm I'm a big fan. That's pretty much what I would say. It has startlingly high highs and then it's like every other scene is a really great high and every other scene is sort of a middling nothing burger really and it's yeah. like i wish this wasn't <laughs> averaging out to be just a pretty good movie uh but i enjoyed it i thought it was i thought it was good i think it's good and different enough from the the remake that it's worth watching at this point um definitely yeah it, yeah i would agree it's um I don't think it makes it doesn't really make a lot of mistakes in it. I, I was surprised by how modern it felt in a lot of ways, but at the same time as you were saying, Clay, it's it's held by back by the fact that it's not as modern as it could be. But yeah, um yeah. I would recommend it. I was I was engrossed in a way that I wasn't expecting to be. It was yeah. especially that first act. And again, the first act is like kind of brilliant, I think, and I think people should watch it, it, it just for that sequence. Agree. Yeah. That's it. We're done with the fly. <laughs> you can check out the Watch the Fly. Shut it off before the fly shows up. Is what yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> if you the can minute go she's in. she's sitting in the bed and going, "Well, let me tell you what happened three nights ago." Just Done. yeah, diddly-doo, just diddly-doo. close. Just shut it down. <laughs> if uh, and you guys can listen to Clay and Amanda talk about the fly remake, Cronenberg's version, which is on the real uh, the Rotten Horror feed at this point. So if you're interested in that, you can go check it out. And that's it for this Halloween special. So I hope you enjoyed this spooky sci-fi movie. Uh, Everything else is as normal. You guys know what to do. You're the best listeners. You're the patrons. You drive the ship. You fly the plane. You teleport with the machines. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I guess that's it. We are done. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you later. All right. That was our coverage of The Fly. Thank you to everyone who is a Patreon supporter who check that out last year and uh that's just a sample of the great content you can get if you're a subscriber to the penske <laughs> penske file patreon at patreon.com slash the penske file is that one of those things what are those things called where it's the same 
like ABBA. It's the same both ways. A palindrome? Yeah. I don't think it's a palindrome. Okay, I was just checking. <laughs> Clay is delirious, and we need to go now. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with the uh, whatever the next episode is that we have on the docket. But uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>